0: This is Tim Tap, the ever-so humble and mostly peaceful host of Tapping into the Truth that you can hear right here. K Star ZMA and the Vera Networks. Command codes verified.
1: USA is in a crucial. Because of foreign wars we wage
2: it's more
3: to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread
2: So many people try to cross the border Politicians build a new world order You say you say we'll let
0: Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tapp, coming to you live from historic Rhone County, Tennessee. And we are indeed live tonight. It is the live show on Friday as we broadcast out across the world, uh, across the airwaves in Columbia, South Carolina, through WCET FM. Uh, Of course, worldwide via Internet through digital platforms like The Last Frequency, the Vera Network, ZMA Radio, and the K-Star Talk Radio Network. All of these great digital platforms also have additional connections at places like – Talk stream live and Right talk and Irish radio. So we are literally going out live in so many different places, and it's so mega cool, and I'm so glad that each and every one of you here is listening and being part of that. Lots of stuff to get to, and certainly excited to be able to to let you know that before we do anything else, I'm gonna give you the rundown of today's guest. How's that? We are scheduled to be joined first, and here in just a few minutes, uh, an effort to make up a missed uh, spot, Dr. Daniel J. Howlett. MD. We're still going to be talking about the No Surprises Act. We briefly covered that. We'll, we'll get in-depth, uh, assuming that this time we get to make that connection. I try not to ever assume anything, especially on a Friday, because it is Pride Day. <laughs> also, in the first hour, uh, a little later, we're scheduled to be joined by Mr. Sam Anthony. If that name sounds familiar to you, it is because you are most likely a fan of the Your News Media Group. Sam happens to be the CEO and president there. We'll be talking a little bit about that. And we'll see if we can't touch a uh, current topic or two that he's been kind of vocal on. And then in the second hour, we're going to have an extended visit with returning guest, prolific author, negotiation expert, and all-around patriot who no longer fears anything when it comes to telling you the truth ladies and gentlemen mr ed Brodal will be joining us in the second hour for most of the second hour and we're going to be talking about his brand new book that just became available about a week ago and that is the war on whites how hating white people became the new national sport now, i've been talking about this book for a little while uh, i've got my uh, signed autographed copy right here in front of me now as uh, ed uh, sent that to me thanking me for my support and uh, i have that extra little bit of wanting to push the book just because on the front cover you know how sometimes they'll put blurbs from various notable people Uh, i made the cover guys Uh, my quote that i had sent him about the book exposes the epidemic of anti-white racism the most important book of the year yeah he put that there so uh i've got that kind of special feeling there it's kind of cool all right and now i guess we have to talk about the uh the cat and the the cat let's let's talk about the elephant in the room Right after, I remind you about our good friends over at 4patriots.com because I got to get those guys in. Uh, you guys are making the sponsorship happen by engaging with the companies and the businesses that support this show, and I thank you for that. So I want to remind you go visit 4patriot.com. It doesn't matter if you're looking for survival food kits, if you're looking for em- emergency backup electricity, uh, especially with the solar variety, which is the safest way to go. And, you know, maybe you'll have some super overcast days that kind of diminish your ability to charge back up but the sun is free and you don't have to worry about carbon monoxide poisoning so they got some pretty cool options there water purification gardening stuff if it involves survival our friends at four patriots they probably have what you're looking for and if they don't you can ask him about it, and they'll probably get it. Uh, I see Doug from the control room right now showing me uh, his four-patriot uh, catalog, it looks like. Uh, pretty cool. Uh, oh, yeah. Actually, I've got that, too, uh, Doug. Uh, their uh, little magazine. I've uh, got it here. Got the uh, start your stockpile today. Uh, got the stew soup on the front cover. It's pretty cool stuff. Anyway, that's... 4Patriots.com, the number 4, Patriots.com. And don't forget to use promo code T-A-P-P at checkout. Save yourself 10% on your order. Uh, if you're going to place an order, why would you not take the 10%? Using that code, also let them know that I sent you. So that works out pretty well. All right, so that elephant in the room that I was talking about, the big news of the day, Mr. Donald John. Trump has been indicted. The former president, uh, also known by the lefties as the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, uh, he is now entered rarefied territory. No former U.S. president has ever been indicted of criminal charges before, and now he has his second indictment. But I think what took a lot of people by surprise – This, of course, is stemming from the classified documents issue, was that there were, in fact, so many different counts of this indictment. 49-page indictment. You can find it online easily enough if you haven't already looked at it. I would recommend you actually take the time to go through this one because it's very important. It shows you how hard they're straining, how much stress they're putting in place to try and differentiate what Donald Trump did in comparison to what – hillary clinton did in comparison to what joe biden did in comparison even with what mike pence did Uh, all these are people who were found to have classified documents on their person or in hillary's case (laughs) electronically hidden in a private server and then later after she tried to get rid of all the evidence when they were looking into it later found on anthony weiner's laptop you know the same laptop he was using To send sexually explicit images to underage girls? Yeah, that's Anthony's wiener, right beside classified documents. And they chose not to go after those folks. And they claim that the difference here is intent. Donald Trump willingly did this. So 37 counts – in this charging with 31 of those being the willful retention of national defense information. 37 of these counts directed specifically at a conspiracy, meaning that obviously someone else is supposed to be involved. I I haven't had a chance to read through the whole thing yet, so I'm still trying to figure out exactly who he conspired with. I I would really like to know, and so I will, after the show is over, continue to read it, and I suggest wholeheartedly that everybody take the time to look at this one. I know it's easy to get lost in legalese, but they have intentionally made this as easy as possible for the most folks to read because they want you to know why. The orange man is bad. They want you to know why the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist should never be allowed within a 100 yards of the White House again, uh, let alone be allowed to reside there. They are scared to death of this man, and they're willing to do whatever it takes to go after him, including the unprecedented steps of trying to criminally charge a former setting president. And – all the rules of detente, they're out the window now. So if Joe Biden right now thinks that he's riding high with this $5 million bribery scheme, which now, according to information from the Republicans, we know that this involves the Barisma company, the, the same energy company that was paying Hunter Biden to be on their board despite Hunter's complete and total lack of experience or knowledge of the energy industry, the same – company that was being investigated by a former prosecutor that Joe Biden has bragged about having gotten him fired. Yeah, that same company. The efforts of covering up the appearance of impropriety. Nobody even cares about the appearance of impropriety in politics anymore, but Joe had better be prepared because now that the Democrats have opened up this particular can of worms, there will be conservative DAs in some part of the country if, if – we can't count on the Justice Department proper to do it – that will go after Joe Biden. He has certainly demonstrated enough things that are worthy of investigation at the very least. Scary stuff. Scary stuff. All right, uh again we had to mention it right the biggest news story breaking today uh, again the shocking part is how many different counts there in fact was we will talk more about it over the weekend uh, you can bet on that but here on the friday night live show we focus on guests and our first guest of the evening is in fact with us right now so ladies and gentlemen i want to welcome to the show our first guest of the evening It is a first time uh, with us, although we had been scheduled previously, and we had run into some scheduling snafus, and I'm glad we were able to overcome those. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Dr. Daniel Haller. Uh, Doctor, thank you so much for joining us this evening, and how are you today?
4: I'm well. Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Well, uh, I'm glad we were finally able to get together because you are are doing something that I think a lot of people – well, actually, a lot of people probably still aren't even aware of that's going on. You have uh, sued. You've taken the step to file in court challenges to what's called the No Surprises Act, which is a a medical law that has been put in place that was originally designed to try and protect – patients from unexpected fees. And so because of the misconception of how they went about doing that, they in turn have tried to paint you as the bad guy in this situation, because who could possibly be against protecting patients? But the truth is, the way this ended up being written, it actually causes a whole lot more potential confusion and harm to patients. Uh, So First, let's kind of backtrack so uh, we can let you, with your experience and your knowledge of this, uh, better enlighten the folks than what I can on this. Tell us a little bit about the No Surprises Act and why you chose to challenge it.
4: Sure, and uh, by the way, thank you for understanding that I'm not evil. I appreciate that. (laughs) So – theoretically or fundamentally, I don't, and I don't think any doctor would disagree with the No Surprises Act. But let, let's first define what a surprise bill is, a surprise medical bill. There's a real term for it, and a surprise medical – it's a real term, and the surprise medical bill is, relates only to medical bills that you get when you did not know but you were treated by an out-of-network provider meaning a doctor who does not sign a contract with an insurance company to accept ridiculously low rates in exchange for high volume, they decide they want to spend more time per patient, and they will end up charging the insurance companies more and getting more. So uh, we are fundamentally not against that principle, but – the principle of protecting patients from these surprise bills. But if you ask a layperson, what is a surprise medical bill? They'll say, oh, I went to go pick up my medication and uh, they told me it cost $100. And why? Oh, because the insurance company didn't pay for it or they only paid for $5 of it. Or I went to get an MRI and I got a bill for $1,200 because the insurance company only paid X amount of dollars. Any medical bill which a patient gets that they didn't expect to have to pay a huge portion of it is a surprise bill. If they go to the hospital and their deductible is $10,000 and their co-insurance is 10% and they end up with a $20,000 bill, they'll call that a surprise bill. But technically, if they read the fine print of their contract with the insurance company, this is actually exactly what they're supposed to be paying. But. The problem is that the insurance companies make us feel that we're protected by providing us with health care, even though – by with providing us with health insurance, and even though we pay a lot of money out of pocket, what we don't realize is that we still have a lot that we're supposed to still pay. So sure. let's get back to the No Surprises Act. The No Surprises Act, again, fundamentally, I don't disagree. Patients in emergency situations should be held harmless from any and all bills whether they're in-network, out-of-network, it doesn't matter. They're in an emotional and a physical state of distress. They should not have to worry about finances. They pay for an insurance. The insurance should pay for them. What happened was this bipartisan law that was also agreed upon by many doctors and many doctors' associations, when the statute was created, there was a certain intent, and that intent was – Patients be held harmless from these bills, and doctors will get a reasonable fee. And the way the government put together this law was that if there's a dispute between the doctor and the payer or the insurance company, the government was going to set up arbitration units throughout the, not- the United States, and you can go to any of these units and you uh, – Bring your claim, you bring what you pay, charged, the insurance company says what they paid, and the arbitration unit is supposed to look at the seriousness of the condition, the expertise of the doctor, uh, and what the usual customary rate for each region is and historical payments. That's all good, and we were all happy with that, because historically, it was so hard for a doctor like myself to get paid for an emergency situation out of network. My my books, sometimes we had open accounts for a year and a half or two years until we finally got paid. So we were very happy with all of this. Along comes Biden administration at the end of 2021, right before the statute goes into effect, and they then say that the only – the most heavily weighted factor on how the arbitration group should decide what doctors get paid is the in-network rate. So everyone said, hold on a second. The out-of-network doctor purposely doesn't sign a contract to get the low in-network rates. And now the government is saying that if I woke up in the middle of the night or on New Year's Day at 3 o'clock in the morning to take out someone's appendix, and I don't take that person's insurance, then I'm only going to get the in-network rate. Well, who controls the in-network rate? The insurance companies do. So – After 2022, what started happening was the in-network doctors started getting letters saying your contracts up for renewal were decreasing your rates by 15%. So the out-of-network doctors have decreased reimbursements. The in-network doctors now are having decreased reimbursements. All of the control of the pricing and the payments for the entire healthcare industry was now given to the insurance companies to do whatever they want with. So this is why we're fighting, because what's happening now throughout New York, I couldn't tell you about the rest of the United States, but I do know that it has caused trouble in other places as well, is doctors' practices are going out of business. Anesthesiologists are leaving New York. Plastic surgeons are refusing to cover emergency rooms. Well, what happens if you go to a hospital and there's no specialty surgical services? There's no anesthesia group. Because nobody can cover it. Either they went out of business or they say to themselves, it's not worth my time to do emergencies. I'm not going to cancel my office hours with 30 people just to go to the hospital and take care of an emergency. We're just not going to take call. If your hospitals can't provide emergency services, then they're not really worthwhile, which means that all the community hospitals will end up having to ship patients out to tertiary care centers 30, 40, 50 miles away. So all the local hospitals that you currently know and love, you won't be able to use for their services because there's no point in going here. They're just going to ship you out if you need an operation or you need you need uh, highly specific care because no one is going to want to take care of emergency needs. And this is the state of affairs now. It's not about the plight of doctors to make more money. It's about the lack of access to health care that these patients – these consumers of health care are going to be assessed. And this is what we fear. We fear that all these community hospitals will not be able to provide the care necessary, which means that if you're not healthy enough to make it to a tertiary care center, to a bigger hospital or hospital system, you're not going
0: to make it. Yeah. I hope that's It always – it boggled my mind. When I first started seeing this, I I kept trying to to wrap my mind – excuse me. I kept trying to wrap my mind around the idea of why would the government that has been uh, very much anti-insurance company with a lot of its practices, uh, especially uh, looking at the Obama administration, uh, which – We have the Biden administration operating in a lot of ways and as continuing a lot of those same policies, and it just seems so wild to me that all of a sudden they would want to give the insurance companies this level of power to determine what doctors are going to get. But it almost seems to me now like maybe this is a different strategy for the same effort, uh, an effort to force socialized care on uh, the general public uh, simply because – professionals that have spent years in the field perfecting their skills, spent a tremendous amount of time, energy, and yes, money to become highly trained, specialized physicians can no longer recoup what they should be getting. And, and I've often made the point on air, it's like when we complain about uh, what medical costs are, we need to find ways to make it cheaper to become a fully licensed medical professional, if that's your big thing, because uh, the expense comes at how much is involved in becoming a doctor, especially one that uh, specializes. But uh, if you look at all this and you're you're shrinking the pool of care that's available, uh, does it Seen from your point of view that maybe that might also be a secondary effort, that, that this is intentional and an effort to finally say, okay, well, there's not enough doctors for you. Uh, you're demanding we step in and do something, so here's how we're going to ration care moving forward. Or am I completely off base with this and just seeing the boogeyman everywhere? I see somebody that wants to control health care.
4: No, what, what's actually happening now Um, If you think about New York, for instance, it's been a few years already where New York has given nurse practitioners the right to practice independently. So you'll have what you'll say is a doctor's office come up, but there is actually no doctor there. It's only a nurse practitioner. Um, New York recently just gave physicians assistants the ability and the right to practice independently. So now you're having physicians' assistants open up primary care practices. And what we're gonna see happen is less doctors going into medicine because the cost to get in is so high and who wants to pay a second mortgage for thirty years and not even own a home potentially? You know, I you know I graduated with almost six hundred thousand dollars worth of uh, student debt for my medical school education. So it's getting more expensive to become a doctor as universities start charging more. They're making less money. There are less people going into the field. They're predicting a tremendous shortage of doctors. So what they're doing is they're supplementing it by saying, we're going to elevate people who go through a two-year training program. And when I say two years, uh, it's basically a year, I think it's 15 or 16 months of, of book uh, 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 of study, of book studies and then the remainder eight months or so is clinical activities so you're taking a four year medical school with three to six seven years of specialty training and condensing it into two years of non-physicians PAs and NPs that are now going to be running the show for definitely for primary care so that's kind of where we see it going Less doctors, but more other people, other healthcare providers that will be providing basics of healthcare.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it certainly seems like not the direction. The greatest healthcare system in the world should be going in, uh, and, and that's certainly not a, a knock on any of these other professionals. <clears throat> the reason they exist in the first place is there is a, a niche in which they are useful and helpful, and, and we need them. But that should not be your primary care. Uh, you're, you're never going to convince me that that is the solution here. Uh, it's just astounding. Uh, we're quickly right. running out you of you time, Doctor. Said but you before said we do, so perfect.
4: You, you, I'm sorry, you said something so perfect before. United States has the best health care in the world, and I agree with that. We don't have a health care problem in the United States. We have a health insurance problem. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, before we have to wind things down, though, how is the, the battle going? I know that some of the associations have kind of waffled on this. There's supposed to be Amicus briefs being filed. Uh, how is the case itself going? And uh, what is your expected next step?
4: So uh, our case in New York, which is uh, not did not go well. Um, the judge uh, dismissed every count of ours. Uh, We kind of knew she was going to do that because prior to even hearing oral arguments, she claimed that this was a uh, public safety issue, and she does not intend to change any of the current laws uh, for what she deems a public safety issue. So we kind of knew which way she was going to go. We're currently in appeals in the appellate court, uh, and uh, we're hoping to hear something soon. Um, luckily uh, Texas has won their lawsuit twice against the government uh, and the CMS is supposed to go back to the drawing board and redo the regulations that govern how the No Surprises Act gets implemented unfortunately though who has all the money and who doesn't have the money the insurance companies have all the money they have a half a billion dollar lobbying fund the doctors need cash flow in order to continue their practices so at some point Whether we win or lose, it may be too late.
0: All right. Well, first, thank you so much, Doctor, for picking up this fight. It's not one that just anybody would, and I'm glad that uh, you did that. Uh, If somebody wanted to to help out, is there any way that they can? Is there any websites that uh, you'd like to share, anything at all that the listeners could do to be supportive?
4: Yes. Uh, there are two websites in particular. There's a few of them that, that we put together. One of them is called protectmybenefits.com. Uh, that's aimed at New York and New York State health plan under the plan name NY- uh, NYSHIP. which actually was the best health care plan in the United States, and Kathy Hochul, the current governor, completely destroyed it. Uh, and their benefits are being reduced, and their premiums are going up as of July 1st. Uh, the other website, which is more general content of the No Surprises Act, is, is uh, based off of a nonprofit, a 501c4. Uh, it's called realheroes.org, and we're here to help educate the public on what they will lose if things don't change and we stop letting the insurance companies make money off of our health. Uh, they're taking the money, but they're unfortunately not paying it out when we're in times of need.
5: Right.
0: All right. Thank you so much, Doctor. I appreciate it. Uh hopefully we can get back together sometime in the near future and discuss what's hopefully a win in the appeals process. Uh keep up the good work, sir. God bless. All
4: right. Thank you. Take
0: care. Bye. All right. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was The and We're going to have to take the mid-hour break, but right before I let uh, Doug hit the button, I'm going to remind you, uh, please give our friends at Gold Co. a call. That's 855-387-2932. Get the three simple steps you can take right now to protect your savings with gold and silver. Our sponsorship relationship is coming to an end, but if you are looking at turning your IRA over to precious metals, give them a call before that happens. Uh, Doug, you know what to do.
3: I am a real American. Fight for the rights of every man. I am a real American. Fight for what's right. Fight for your life.
2: Hi, this is Rod Eccles, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth with Tim Tapp.
1: Have you ever noticed the more junk food and other unhealthy items people consume, the more negatively controlled they are? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Many black Americans have proportionately consumed more junk and fast food than any other major group of Americans. It is my opinion, if you constantly eat nutritionally bad food, it negatively affects every other aspect of your daily life and makes you more easily controlled by negative forces in media, government, and less able to discern or even care about trying to live or encourage others to live a morally principled and upwardly mobile lifestyle. I believe that if certain powerful elitists in government and elsewhere working to fundamentally transform America into a land of controlled, useful idiots... If they succeed, they will not only continue to indoctrinate young students in government schools, but will try to snare everyone through unhealthy government-approved food and water supplies, which they believe will make everyone more accepting of an extreme leftist, anti-good, anti-clean, and anti-God society, preventing everyone from achieving their highest potential. Thus, the self-destruction of America would be achieved. I'm Ron Eckert. you all the fried chicken in the world Bye now second skull is a protective headgear company
5: with a patented line of impact reducing products at second skull we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it second skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete these products are patented and proven. Second, Skull is a protective headgear company.
1: Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique. Hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about because you want the best. Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. Yeah. kids.
0: You're listening to Tap into the truth.
1: Target is target in they target back, but targeting. your kids. kids. They don't even need to ask. Cause you what it is. So yeah. that's why I keep a strap. always by my yeah. this agenda gotta stop.
2: They know we're gonna win when they target, target. Yeah, they target and target, target. Yeah, they target can target, target. Yeah, they target and.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. I need to make sure. Do we have our next guest on the line yet? Yes, we do. I got the thumbs up. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, first, I want to thank him for his patience as we ran uh, a little long with that first interview. So our mid-hour break ran a little long. But uh I told you guys at the top, you're going to want to hear this gentleman. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the CEO and president of your news media group. A very unique concept and uh, glad that uh, we're going to have an opportunity to shine a light on it if you haven't heard about him yet. But if you haven't, then you're outside of the loop already. I've been seeing articles posted on timelines that are posted over there from a lot of former guests of this show and even some current ones. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, the CEO and president of Your News Media, Mr. Sam Anthony. Sam, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I'm excited to talk a little bit about uh, the Your News Media group and uh, and then maybe a few other topical uh, stories that you've been vocal about. Uh, first, how are you doing today, sir? Well, Tim, thank you. I'm glad to be here, really. Uh-huh. All right, so let's let's talk about your news media. It's a very unique idea uh, right off the gate. It is a cloud-based integrated social media news and advertising platform. It really lets people kind of do some unique things that just weren't out there weren 't available before it 's kind of turning the whole concept upside down of getting articles published or uh, finding places to to advertise your wares as well and finding folks that you want to be associated with in a way that 's just never been available before so first and foremost, what was it that brought about the creation of your news media?
5: Oh boy, was this a long story i 'll keep it brief, but um about 22 or three years ago, a couple guys believed the newspapers were eventually going to go away. They were going to be, re, you know, replaced by some kind of online product. And we set out to build a platform that to, to replace the daily newspaper. And we failed miserably, Tim. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you. You know, we, we put a lot of money and a lot of time into it, and it didn't work. So there was an evolution here. But um, we figured it all out, and now kind of – it, the, the fish are jumping in the boat, if you will. So, it, it it's been a long time coming.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, again, I, I really like the idea. And lots of times, if you're an innovator, sometimes you're ahead of the curve, and it takes a minute for folks to catch up with you. I'm pretty sure yeah. that's really kind of what was happening here. Uh, the same thing could be said for uh, places like Substack. When when Substack first came along, uh, it's like. Why would anybody ever subscribe to an independent journalist over there or just somebody that's writing? Uh, I only want to to look at bona fide folks. And now uh, that's where most legitimate uh, journalists that still believe in telling the truth, even if they are a little slanted, that's kind of where they try to trade their wares. So I think obviously you guys are just kind of a little ahead of the curve too. Everybody else is catching up. It's just – I just really like the idea. I, I am a fan, sir. Uh, Thank you. All right. So, uh, what what would you say was that biggest obstacle, though, when when you really had those issues up front? Was it getting people to buy into it, or was it just uh, maybe being uh, awash with all these other cloud based things at a time when a lot of people still didn't really understand the cloud? Was there a little of that in play too?
1: Um
5: you know yes and no you know everybody knows now that you know the newspapers are going to go the way of the dinosaur if you don't know which everybody does I mean they they call legacy media for a reason you know radio and TV are, are in the same boat right I mean it's not because of me because I'm almost 60 years old they're there's still a demand for news how just how people consume it has changed. So you have the younger generation that doesn't watch TV, they don't listen to radio, they don't read magazines, and they certainly don't read newspapers, right? So it's, they're the next generation coming up and there's nobody following behind, like for people watching Fox news, the average age of a Fox news audience is 68 years old and nobody's following behind them. So you know, like CNN, you know, is spiraling away. The same thing's going to happen to all the other networks. But the, the thing that really took off for us is, you know, we have a platform. But just so your audience knows, we're an online daily newspaper. We're nationwide by zip code. We are a content distribution platform for news. So we can make a story like somebody's Little League game appear in the sports section in one city while the high school football game is still sports news but it has broader distribution. It could be the market. And then you could have the Money Night Football game, which is national news. Well, we originally had an affiliate network of of, uh, independent uh, radio stations who had news departments. And when COVID hit, a lot of the news organizations were dropping off. And the reason they were is they were telling me, number one, uh, there's no businesses open. And number two, they uh, let go of their news person, and then some of them told me that they don't believe they're going to be in business in another five to ten years. So, with, I had an epiphany one day, and we we decided to change the model to a monetization model like YouTube, which was the best thing I ever ever did. So, this would have been your, you know, your question is, you know, what was it that spawned this? Well when COVID hit, COVID was the best thing that ever happened because we changed the model to a monetization model like YouTube. So Tim, you know how people on YouTube get monetized? You have a channel, you build an audience, and then YouTube sells the ad and you get a percentage of the ad revenue? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Okay, our model is the local news reporter who lost his lost his job at the local paper could write a story about the bank robbery or the the high school football game he shares that on social media, and every time his article opens, he gets a percentage of the ad revenue that appears around his story. We're the ones that sell the ads, and the advertisers can target the ads around the content of relevance to their products. So what I mean by that is if you sell golf clubs and somebody's reading a golf story, there's about 100% chance they play because nobody's reading a golf story that doesn't play golf. So if you sell golf clubs, that's a good place to be. But if you sell pots and pans or anything cooking related, we have a food and wine section. I have people that post cooking shows there. So what we did was we opened it up. We're multimedia. So we opened it up to uh, podcasters. And the podcasters are – we have a lot of conservative podcasters. You know all those people that were kicked off of YouTube and deplatformed? I've got a ton of them on my site. And what they do is they post their videos that are on Rumble, they post those videos, they share it on social media, and I've got literally tens of thousands of people that come into that category to watch those videos. They're consuming them all day, every day. And so we sell the advertising for them. So in essence, because they're monetized with Rumble, it's like double-dipping the same content. So that was the... That was the, COVID was the, the thing that really brought this thing to fruition. Now, I have to tell you something. You know, you see what's going on with mainstream media. You know that the legacy media is, is not expanding. They're contracting. As a matter of fact, did you see yesterday the LA Times laid up 10% of their newsroom? 75 yeah. people are out of work. Do you know on LinkedIn, if you, I have LinkedIn Navigator. If you type in freelance journalist for the United States, freelance means I'm looking for work because I lost my job. Do you know there's 460,000-plus people that are out of work that are in the journalism business?
0: I I did not know that. I I knew the number was significant. I had no idea it was that big.
5: It's 2 million-plus globally, and they have 460 for the United States. So what we do is we put them back to work. We give them them a home. And we give them the ability to generate revenue, and and our model works just like YouTube. You know, there's some people on YouTube that make a million bucks a year, and there's other people that make nothing. It's the marketplace that decides.
0: Yeah, and the the real upside here is it's on a medium that is the the way of the future. There's a reason why YouTube is doing as well as it is, and why the. Modern standard newspaper is not. That is where the younger people are going. That's where the. That's why podcasters are being able to be successful now. Where somebody in a standard uh, local newsroom not doing so well. Uh, reason why this show is able to get sponsors now, whereas ten years ago uh, I would be paying for all of it all on my own if I wanted to do this. Uh, yeah, that is where the attention is going. So it's a great model. And I'm glad you were able to explain it uh, so well because uh, it's easy enough to understand. And now, hopefully, there's some folks out there listening, uh, uh, some friends of mine, maybe who are among those folks who got booted off YouTube, who maybe will now be able to go over there and uh, be part of the success that you guys are having. But uh, Love we to talked have about. I'm sorry. Love to have them. Love to have them. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, You you did talk about legacy media, and I did want to talk a little bit about uh, another recent thing in legacy media because I haven't had a chance to sound off on it myself yet, and it's a great topic. And I saw that you had been talking about this to some degree, and that is, of course, uh, Chris Litch and what happened with him over at CNN uh, because – It seems to me like a lot of what happened there, it had to be plugged in. I think Discover, since they've taken over, they're still trying to get a feel of exactly what they're having to do to try to right the ship. And I really thought that Chris was doing the right thing to try and restore a sense of legitimacy to CNN that most people just lost. And you had to know that you're going to have a bigger drop in ratings initially by doing the  … … because everybody that's been going there for leftist uh, bias confirmation, they're not going to be happy with that change if you move more towards Never. the middle of the road, and they're going to be very angry about it. And the conservatives that you ran off a long time ago, they're not quickly going to come back. You might be able to win them over in time, especially given some of the things that have went on over at Fox. But to pull the trigger so quickly because he made some disparaging comments about when they were uber-leftist but still were basically telling the truth, you get into that range where uh, you can't make these decisions based on the newsroom. But I think they had to know they were going to take a hit up front. Anyway, uh, I will stop babbling now. I'd uh, love to get your thoughts on exactly what's happening and what uh, Chris Litch should do next.
5: Well, just so you know, there's nothing Chris could have ever done. This is, this is like flushing a toilet. You can't stop the water from going down. It, it, there is nothing. The, the problem is in media. Once you lose credibility, Tim, there's no amount of money that will buy it back. I'm sorry. You, you, you can't gain your credibility back, and you, you can't – and, you know, your base is all the liberals, and they want you to stay hard left. But what he was trying to do was, was to right the ship, was to attract the conservatives. Do you really think conservatives are going to go over there? He's not going to attract any of them. And, and therein lies the problem. There's nothing that he can do. That's, that's my opinion. I, I, don't, I don't see any way that ship gets righted. That, that company eventually is just going to shut its doors. It'll, it won't exist in the near future. And then Fox has got another problem too. They're another one. They got rid of Tucker Carlson. What do you think is going to happen after that? I mean, people are fleeing there now. So they're all in for big problems. There, there really is no helping them. And it's just a matter of time. They, they didn't, they did it to themselves, but it was inevitable anyway. It it would have all transpired that way anyway. Wouldn't have made a difference.
0: Yeah. They do seem to have, um, they they do seem to have expedited it a bit recently, yes. but, but yeah, you're uh, right. They, 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 uh, the, the difference... I'm sorry. Go ahead.
5: Well, you no, know, you're right. I mean, look, it, it's a painful experience to go through. This is a paradigm from, from you know, the legacy media and transitioning to online. And I always, I try and explain it to make it simple for people. The the average age a person lives, I think, because I haven't really looked it up, but I think men are like 74, 75 or 76 and women are 78 or 79 or something like that. So let's just make it 80 years old. So if you have a 50 year old in 30 years, they're 80. So basically all those people are going to be gone and the 20 year olds going to be 50 years old. Okay? None of those 20-year-olds watch TV. They don't listen to terrestrial radio and they don't read newspapers or magazines. It's going to be gone anyway. It, it makes no difference. Legacy media, it's like it's like, you know, I'm sure when, when Bell invented the telephone, the telegraph people were too happy. And eventually it, that product replaced that. There's always something, Tim, that replaces something else. It's just the way it works. And the, the internet will ultimately replace them. Look, I was in the brokerage business. I worked for a company called Lehman Brothers, and this was 35 years ago, okay? And we used to do transactions, and like if somebody bought $50,000 worth of stock, I think the transaction fee was seven or $800. Today, it's free. There's no cost, it's zero. My point is the, the internet leveled the playing field for everybody, and it's a painful process for all these people to go through what they're experiencing, and they're all trying to figure it out. Like I say, it's rats on a ship. Was the ship sinking? They're all trying to figure out what kind of board they're going to grab onto and how they're going to save themselves. It cannot be saved. It is over. I hate to yeah. sound so fine, but it is, Tips. It's over.
0: No uh, I mean, I, I, nobody can, can legitimately argue. Uh, I think you are absolutely dead on. Uh, and it's just – you, you would like to see these people uh, in the industry is more what I mean when I say these people uh, go down with some dignity, uh, restore some level of journalistic integrity, do the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing, and make a concerted effort to uh, to move away from the uh, entertainment industry and the bias confirmation industry and go back to reporting news on their way out that's what i would have liked to have seen uh obviously that's not happening either because what little bit of money remains comes from that confirmation bias and they're going to take every last penny they can as this ship goes down i I have no doubt uh what do you think in chris uh, lich's specific uh, case what would his next step be what should he do next what how does he land on his feet? What is that next step? Uh, Is there a place for him uh, publishing over on uh, your news media?
5: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know what Chris is going to do, but um, you know, I think they did him a favor by getting rid of him. And the reason I say that is because nobody wants to go down with a sinking ship. And, you know, if if he thought he could write that ship, he was delusional. It's not going to happen that that, look, I'm bigger than CNN. Okay. So it's, it's all but over. I'm gonna tell you what's gonna end up happening. This, this is gonna be the outcome. Mark my words, you heard it from me, Tim. I'm gonna tell you what it is. So forget what I do um, and just know that this is the path and whether it's me or somebody else, it you know remains to be seen. The future of news is gonna be one global media giant by zip code, okay, all across the globe. It's gonna allow the public to interact and post their own news views, opinions, and classifieds. In essence, they're gonna have a social component And they're going to put the power of the press in the hands of the people where you could have a voice. It's going to have a monetization model for content creators like you where you'll be able to submit your content once you approve as a a monetized journalist. And you get paid a percentage of the ad revenue that appears around your content. And advertisers will be able to log in on a self-service platform like Facebook and be able to buy their own ads and target their ads around the content that they believe is relevant to what the product that they're selling. That is it. It is not fantasy. It is reality. It is Facebook with a different type of content platform.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, it does seem to be the direction it's headed in. You do seem to have your finger on that pulse, and you guys are leading the way. So, uh, again, I want to thank you for uh, being on the cutting edge of this. And uh, before we say our goodbyes for the evening, want to make sure that you have the opportunity. Uh, please share uh, any and all websites that you would like to, uh, not just for uh, the platform, but anything else you want to throw out there as well. And as long as you're inviting people to follow you on social media, please feel free to share your handles and whatever platforms you would like to extend that invitation as well.
5: You know, Tim. Everybody, I, I don't have any social media other than LinkedIn. You could look me up on LinkedIn, but I don't have social media. You know, it's just it's me. I'm like an old school guy, right? You know, I, I like talking to people and not communicating via the internet. But, um, but you know, our domain is yournews.com. Uh, you you um, you go to the site. It'll know where you live, or you put in your zip code if you block it. And uh, if you want to be a monetized contributor reach out to us. Um, We'd like to know about you because we're building an army of news reporters across the United States. Um, And if you're an advertiser and you want to target a specific audience, we're completely advertiser supported. So we'd be happy to talk to you about your business. Reach out to us, please. Yournews.com. All
0: right. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, Sam. Obviously, uh, this is normally where I would say good luck to you in the venture, but uh, I don't think luck's entering into this equation. You guys are uh, – you've got a good handle on it, and like I said, you're growing uh, exponentially. I've been seeing uh, folks, people that I know personally from having been on the show and other things that have been sending me uh, links to their articles on your platform, and uh, it's – It's a great job you guys are doing over there. So thank you so much for leading the way here, and uh love to get a chance to talk to you again sometime in the near future.
5: You bet, Tim. And by the way, you could create an account with us, too, if you have content you want to push out there. We can monetize you.
0: All right. I will definitely be looking into that, sir. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Sam Anthony, CEO and president of Your News Media Group. Uh, check him out at yournews.com. Uh, and and I, I'm serious. I, I have been struggling a while now to get a direct response from our good friend Dan Perkins because he's had a lot of health-related issues recently. Uh, his First response in like uh, A month and a half He sent me a link to a new article that he just Put up over at your news media It's really if you haven't Checked it out already uh, seriously Spend some time go look at it and uh, The opportunity for content creators Is there it's real All right. before we uh, reset the hour I do need to talk to you about Something very very important And that is The fastest way To become a victim of tyranny Is to give up your guns. The quickest way to become a victim of crime is to not have your gun on you when you need it. And that's why gun owners like myself I need to talk to you because we've done something silly. We've got a holster that was just so gosh darn uncomfortable. We didn't use it. We just stopped carrying. And then we're at the disadvantage when the bad stuff happens. Don't let it happen to you. Go check out our friends over at Vanish Holsters. They have – what thousands of their customers are calling the most comfortable holster ever, period, in a discussion. They're that adamant about it. It's worthwhile. They have renewed, by the way, uh, for those of you that were listening to me whining about maybe cutting tight, they're back. Long term sponsors. Woohoo. And so, what I need you to do right now is go visit www.vnsh.com backslash T-A-P-P right now and when you do that not only will you see what they have to offer but you'll get yourself a $50 discount to boot Uh, do that right now and you can have your order completed before we start the next segment of the show meanwhile let's reset the hour Doug let's do the thing don't go anywhere we'll be right back
2: This is Matt Fitzgibbons from PatriotMusic.com, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap into the Truth. USA News, I'm Dave Collins. The Department of Justice says former President Trump stored classified information including U.S. nuclear programs and defense and weapons capabilities. Trump faces more than three dozen counts including obstruction which his former legal team member Robert Ray says is key. The obstruction part of this thing is important because it's basically the subpoena compliance version of musical chairs and moving documents around. The DOJ unsealed the federal indictment of trump a day after he announced he would become the first former president to face federal charges The DOJ alleges when Trump's time as president ended, boxes containing classified documents that he was not authorized to keep were transported to his Florida residence. Mexico will seek legal and diplomatic measures over Florida's migrant relocation program. statement from the Mexican Foreign Ministry condemns the transporting of migrants from states that border Mexico to other parts of the United States for political reasons. It specifically targets migrant relocations to Massachusetts, where Florida began the program by sending 49 Venezuelans from Texas to Martha's Vineyard. This is
0: USA News. This is Tim Tap, the ever-so humble and mostly peaceful host of Tap into the Truth that you can hear right here, K Star ZMA, and the Vera Networks.
1: You're listening to Tim Town.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are as we're diving headlong into hour number two of the Friday Night Live Show. And thank you so much for being here. And thank you, Amy, for that extremely enthusiastic introduction. <laughs> i got to say, the regular crowd, especially the folks that tend to hang out with us over at the MeWe chat room or uh, the folks that occasionally join us for the after parties that we uh, have made a bit of a tradition on the Friday night, which I've unfortunately had to uh, actually not do at all last Friday, and I really shouldn't this Friday night either because I've got to get up uber early in the morning for other stuff, but it's a fun tradition. We get together. We hang out sometimes. Some of the guests will hang out with us, and, and it gets to be a thing. And you guys are invited. Every last one of you, you can come join the MeWe chat group. What you're looking for is go sign up for MeWe if you haven't already. Look for the last frequency, and then hop in there, and then just start interacting with people like As, a.k.a. the Arizona Antihero, Amy, and a few other folks that are – almost religiously here i I love these guys so much because they make everything so much more interactive and that's just really cool and you know that's part of the fun of doing something like this getting to have those interactions all right now i doug ordinarily doug will take the uh the news section out for the audio file he sends me so I can post for the podcast. I want you to leave the news section in tonight, Doug, if that's okay. Uh, I'm sure anything that makes his job easier, he's okay with. What? I don't have to edit that part? Oh, I'm so disappointed. Uh, Yeah, he's so upset about it. He's so mad at me Yes, indeed. (laughs) But the reason I want that left in is because this story about Mexico... I mean the, the Trump stuff is bad enough, and we will be talking about that moving uh, forward, and I before, – uh, before I heard some of that stuff earlier, I would planned on talking about during this little section before Ed joins us about a California bill that would classify not affirming child's transgenderism as child abuse. Oh, I was so hot about that, and we will talk about that this weekend. But with that news section, Mexico – uh, let, let, let me let me put it as diplomatically as I can, and there's a reason I don't work for the State Department, folks. Stay the F out of our business. These people have illegally crossed into our country. We'll ship them to freaking Antarctica if we want. Most of us don't have the cojones that work in government to do that. But if we just suddenly decided that that's what we were going to do, that's what we should do. Okay, well, maybe that might be a little extreme. I could see if I was to ever run for office. That would probably be on my platform, though. They would think I was such a bad guy. But here's the thing. They came into the country illegally. And a lot of these folks that ended up going to Martha's Vineyard, they told you in the news story there, they were mostly Venezuelan. They're not Mexican citizens either. So why are you worried about it, Mexico. Stay the hell out of our business, or better yet, take care of your own business, and not let all these guys illegally cross our border. <laughs> Alcatraz, pile them up. Now Doug's telling me right there, the-
3: and you threw you threw my uh, dB meter up to plus ten.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got a little upset there, but part of what really kills me, though, uh, Doug, and all your great listeners out there. It's the fact that Mexico treats people that are in their country illegally horribly. I don't know if you guys remember, but it wasn't that long ago that uh, they had nearly 40 people. I think it it was actually 40 people. It was maybe a little over, but I know it's at least 40 people that died in a fire because they had overstacked uh, a shelter for these – Illegal migrants that were passing through on their way here during the uh, uh, the abbreviated version of the kind of what's remaining of the stay in Mexico policy. Uh, officially, the Biden administration has ended it, but unofficially, it's still kind of around to a degree. They want you to stay there long enough to take the free phones we give you, use the app to register, and then come across uh, so that we can streamline it. The only reason that it hasn't looked like a complete and utter tsunami of humanity crossing the border after Title 42 uh, went out of business is because they actually put this app up, maybe the first bit of government-level technology to work uh, in the way it's supposed to ever… And make no mistake, that is the way it's supposed to work. But they are horrible. They treat people horribly down there. They will put you in prison. They will ship you back to your country of origin. And it wasn't until just recently that they realized all these people are passing through and they're just going to the U.S. So not really the Mexican problem. So they'll let them pass through now as long as they're promising that they're trying to get here. So how about you clean up your own business? How about you uh, take care of your borders? We'll get back to take because we could be really good partners at stopping this illegal migration. Period. We could be. Uh, we demonstrated that. Now they may not have cared for it too much, but when that guy, the the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, that guy, you know, the one that was been indicted now on federal charges, first time ever a former sitting president had that happen. Yeah, that guy, when he was president, Mexico was helping us. Mexico was spending resources again trying to maintain borders, and they were doing okay at it. But they've been known to be downright brutal. You want to talk about human rights violations. Oh, how terrible, how horrible. Excuse me, we really can't keep you here in Florida. Where would you like to go? Yeah, you know, maybe that Martha Vineyard place is not so bad. All right, let's fire up the jets and send you on your way. I mean, it's bad enough that in California, they're talking about, oh, well, we're going to to charge you with kidnapping. Uh, Worst kidnappers ever. (laughs) Hey, how would you like a private flight to the destination of your choice? That doesn't sound like kidnapping to me. That sounds like somebody winning the freaking lottery. And uh, these folks have already won the lottery by being allowed into this country in the first place. But the left doesn't see it that way. We're getting really, really close to time to bring uh, Ed on, so I'm going to need to to wind this down just a little bit. But… Like Doug, this does fire me up, and and Doug was pretty fired up about this earlier too, and rightfully so. Doug wore a freaking uniform. He is a veteran. He fought for our freedoms, our liberties, and to protect our freaking national interest, and letting these people cross our borders unchecked does not promote our national interest. And Mexico does not have a dog in the Fight once these people, even if they're actual Mexican nationals, they don't have a dog in the fight if they've illegally crossed our border in an effort to find a better life outside of Mexico. All right. With that being said, do we have Ed yet, Doug? Is he signed? Oh, he is on. All right. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and uh, we'll bring Ed on right after I remind you one more quick time. And I'm going to keep it real quick because I feel like half the show now is taken up with ads. (laughs) But We're going to have to stop. I'm still trying to get more sponsors, so we're going to have to figure something out to make this work because, you know – I am a capitalist. But our friends over at Four Patriots, uh, they're fantastic. And so very quickly, I'll remind you, if you need to do anything to help you be better prepared for what life may send your way, that's what you have to do. Be prepared. You can't enjoy the blessings of liberty without being individually responsible. And you can't be responsible if you're not self-sufficient. So be self-sufficient. Get yourself some survival food kits. Get yourself some emergency backup electricity. Go look at what they have to offer at 4 And when you see some, and I promise you, you will see something that you absolutely will have to have. Use promo code TAP. That's T-A-P-P at checkout. Get yourself 10% off of that. That's the number four Patriots.com. Use promo code TAP T-A-P-P, get you 10% off. All right, let's bring Mr. Brodahl on. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, if you have never heard the show previously when Ed has joined us, you are first and foremost in for a treat, and secondly, you've really got to hit the archives. He's always been a fantastic guest, and we had an extended conversation when his last book came out. But he's a prolific author. He is a negotiation Expert. He is a former Hollywood working actor. Uh, he stepped away from that because they got two nuts out there. And uh, he is a retired United States Marine. Uh, once a Marine, always a Marine. So he's not a former Marine. Well, we've got to keep that straight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Uh, the author of the latest book, The War on Whites, How Hating White People Became the New National Sport. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ed Brodal, Ed, thank you so much for coming back on with us again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing this evening? doing great.
3: I'm looking forward to this.
0: Alright, as am I. Now, obviously, I've been uh, promoting the book for a little bit, and uh, before uh, we get into anything at all about it, I want to thank you for uh, not only keeping me in mind for the uh, blurb that you put on, ended up putting on the front cover, but in, in selecting me, uh, le- I'm honored that you would want my name and the name of this show associated with the great work that you're doing. So uh, I I really am humbled by that, and I appreciate it. Thank you, sir.
3: Well, the honor is mine.
0: All right. Uh, Obviously, the reason for this book – usually when I have an author on, and and you've answered these questions before lots of time, I will ask – why this message? Why now? I, I don't think we have to ask that question. It's pretty obvious at this point. Uh, right now, it is perfectly okay to engage in anti-racism in the minds of the left. And anti-racism is really just code for them for racism against white people, uh, You don't pull any punches here. You lay out a a whole lot of information. Uh, Part of what I admire about uh, your political books in particular is the fact that you don't pull punches. You lay it out, whether we're talking about the uh, um, – now I'm drawing a blank on the title, but uh, the tyranny of the minority, Yeah, that's it, Uh, which a lot of the – topics that you hit on there are still echoing and reverberating here, but that's – some of the things you discussed there are the building blocks to where we're at now with this obvious effort to openly engage in racism against white people and behave as if the American culture itself, Western civilization itself, is bad and must be destroyed because of white people, and it really is just active actions of hate it is just open racism uh that has to be a hard sell to a general public that doesn't want to hear it or doesn't want to believe it so first and foremost what have the reactions that you've gotten so far been to just the title because i know a lot of lefties are going to see this title they're not going to read a word of it and they're probably going to be the loudest folks pushing back What, what have you had so far
3: well, so far, I've had a lot of people say, it. it's about time that somebody wrote about this. They yeah. said, we've been thinking about this. I've been, I've been thinking about this. I've been afraid to say it. And they say, thank you, Ed, for saying it for us.
0: Yeah. Well, I, uh, I, again... Uh I, I can't help but agree with them. I, people should have been tackling this head-on. We wouldn't have an Ibram Max Kendi. Uh, we wouldn't have to worry about uh, white fragility. We wouldn't have to worry about the 1619 Project if somebody had pushed back rationally with facts much sooner. And uh, that's a lot of what is actually going on here. You, the The referencing is laid out in a fashion – where you're directly attacking the ideas, the efforts to promote this open bigotry against white people, and in that effort, you you make a strong case for why all these people should be ignored without… Really assaulting them directly Just the ideas behind it And I think that's probably the best way to go about it Uh, Right off the bat In chapter 1 you start talking about the Inquisition against white people What, in your own words uh, Does that mean to you?
3: Well, it it means to me That uh, we've always thought Of racism as being Whites being racist against blacks Or against Hispanics or, Or other minorities now the whole the whole thing is turned around and the racism is being aimed at white people for the first time. We've never experienced this before. And that's why you have millions of white people who, who are thinking, gee, what's going on here? You know, uh, but I'm afraid to say anything because of the cancel culture. But yet we notice it. We see it everywhere and, and we hear it everywhere. Uh, that's that's what happened to me. You you mentioned uh, you were gonna ask me how the book came to be written. For me, it all started in 2008, when a bunch of people that I knew uh, discovered that I was not gonna vote for Obama, they automatically called me a racist. And now that had never happened before. All of a sudden, I was was a terrible person, I was a racist, I was a white supremacist, and uh, it, it got me very angry, and I've been watching it ever since getting worse and worse and worse. And uh, if you look at, in the book, I, I provide some quotes of things that uh, people said, you know, that uh, about white people like this professor who said that we should exterminate white people off the face of the earth. When in, in your lifetime did you ever dream that anyone would say something like that and get away with it? Yet they're doing it, they're getting away with it, And uh, there's very little being done to push back against it. And that's why I wrote the book.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned Obama, and I was going to go there. You you talk about Obama, and uh, in particular, you have a a subsection in the first chapter that's uh, Obama's racist legacy. Uh, It's absurd uh, if you go back and look at it historically now, Ed, because, you know, we were told uh, out the gate that, Electing Obama would prove that finally America isn't racist anymore, and yet race relations prior to Obama's uh, election were probably the best they had been in history. We were getting along with each other. Things were going relatively well, both uh, economically and societally. We were not having these uh, great divides. We were learning to live together in neighborhoods. We probably had one of the highest rates of interracial marriages that had existed. And then somehow Obama gets elected. And instead of that being that defining moment where the clouds part and the angel choir starts singing down, uh, what we got was a very racially biased individual along with a very racially biased first lady who went around from the very beginning of their campaign talking about the evil sins of this country and how for the first time in their adult lives, they were proud of America. All these things that created more racial division uh, in the country than we had seen uh, probably pre-civil rights movement. Uh, would Do you feel the same way about that?
3: Totally. I I, I think that uh, if you really look at what Obama has done and said, Obama hates this country and he hates white people. That's been very, very clear. And uh, the interesting thing, when you just said it, I, a lot of people I know who voted for Obama tell me now that they said, we voted for him because we thought that he was going to uh, bring us a, a new era of, of racial harmony and, and people would get along and uh, he would undo some of the bad things that George W. Bush did, well, they were totally misled. And what they were misled were, was by this hope and change. See, I think that's how he got elected, hope and change. Remember he said that, we're going to have hope and change? Well, what did he mean by that? He never, he never said what he meant by that. That was the brilliance. It was a brilliant slogan because you could take hope and change and finish the sentence any way you wanted according to how you felt about things. And you would attribute it to Obama. So that was a brilliant thing he did. But the reality was, his idea of hope and change was to completely destroy American institutions and and uh, destroy all the things that make America a great country. Uh, I, I just think that having him here uh, was a terrible disaster for this country. I think that Biden is carrying through with a lot of his divisive policies, and uh, that's just another reason why we have to get a Republican in the White House.
0: Yeah, Well, yeah, I, it's hard to argue that at all I don't think there's been a single constructive policy That the Biden administration's pushed forward uh, If there is one out there, I would love to stand corrected Anybody in any of the chat rooms out there If you can think of a single positive good thing that Joe Biden has done policy-wise Please let me know, I'll be happy to share it Because I believe in giving credit where credit's due I just, I don't I, I don't know that there, there's anything out there. But uh, there's something that's very insidious from the beginning. This is about a socialist, Marxist effort to destroy the very fabric of this republic. We, we look for a way to just completely diminish. They realize that the Cloward and Piven uh, philosophy would be the only way they could destroy the country. They don't talk about equality. They talk about equity. They don't talk about fairness anymore, just what's fair to them. Uh, the, the very premise that you can fight racism by being racist is now what they're trying to sell, and they have little girls coming home crying. I, Ed, I, I spent nearly an hour on one broadcast talking about a news story where a seven-year-old girl came home from school crying and it took half the night for the mother to find out what was wrong. And what had happened that day is the teacher had told her that all white people are evil, just by virtue of being white.
3: And so well, she goes home I, I thinking that, that she's a, an oppressor. Go ahead. I talked about that extensively in the book. This is going on yeah. all over the country where, where young white students are being told they should be ashamed of their skin color, that they are racist, that that they are hateful people, and yeah, these little kids are coming home saying, "Mommy, Daddy, I'm a, I'm a hateful person. What what, you know, what am I supposed to do?" That's insidious to do that to children. But you're right; it is the Marxist thing. And The whole thrust of the Marxist thing is you have oppressors and you have victims. I mean, that was the whole deal in, in the Soviet Union when they uh, the Russian Revolution. You had the oppressors and the victims. Now, the oppressors are white people, and the victims are minorities and One of the things I point out in my book is that the war on whites is not only bad for whites, it's also bad for minorities because the minorities are being told you are you are helpless, you don't have the power to determine your own life. you are totally dependent on what white people do, and that just creates a victim mentality, which is which is a disease in, in the uh, uh, minority communities that they think that, you know, we're, we're victims, we can't possibly do anything about it. Um, Bob Woodson had a great quote. He said, he said, if all the white people left and went to Europe, it wouldn't make a damn bit of difference that it, it's really black people have to take responsibility for where they're at. And, and that's the problem, what the Democrats are trying to do, is say, no, uh, it's, not the, it's not your fault if you're black. It's the fault of white people, which is crazy. It's really crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and it's been dispelled so many times in our history. Uh, we can look back at Black Wall Street, for example. Uh, when left to their own devices, if they are focused on uh, being productive, any minority, any place can thrive. This country was built on the idea of you put in the effort, you put in the work, you maybe fall down a time or two, but you pick yourself back up. You can still be successful, and it doesn't matter what else is against you because a lot of those same things are against everyone else. Maybe you don't see what's going on for that next person, but skin color doesn't determine oppression. Uh, There's a lot of Armenians or uh, ethnic Armenians right now out in California that are feeling particularly oppressed, and they're letting uh, their voices be heard right now. And again, having to do with the left trying to crash down, target, and attack children in a different way this time. But you're absolutely right, this this idea that they're trying to implant that you can do nothing without us. We, the good people, the Democrats, the socialist Marxists, the justice Democrats, the AOCs, the Bernie Sanders, you can do nothing without us. Nancy Pelosi uh, taking a knee in front of uh, folks to to show homage instead of actually – you know, meeting people like equals. Guess what? That's how the nation was built. Uh, you look around, and some the the very notion that Martin Luther King Jr. would no longer be left, uh, no longer be welcomed among the current push from the left, that he would be seen as too conservative, too far out there. The idea that uh, where we were trying to get to, walk down the same graduation lines together, now. Universities like Harvard are required by minority students to have a separate graduation. They're self-segregating, and these are the people that are falling into the trap, and they they just keep missing the fact that the one deep, dark secret is that by hiding things like uh, Civil War… Uh, monuments, which was a hot-button issue a while back, and and it's still kind of hot to me because you're hiding the important parts of the past. You don't get to have those conversations and point out how far we've come together. Uh, You mentioned early in the book that we're uh, more divided than we've been since uh, the Vietnam War. I think we're awful dang close to being more divided than we were right before uh, the Civil War, but uh, before I go too far down that, and obviously that's something that uh, I know that you can talk about it because uh, you discuss uh, part of that division throughout. Uh, it, it's just so mind boggling that there are so many people that are now hanging their hats. They're making their money. They become uh, somebody of import, at least they think, based solely on race baiting. We'll pick up there. When we come back after we reset the uh, uh, the break here, we're, we're going to do the mid-hour break, to uh, Be sure to stay with us. Before I let Doug push that button, though, one more time I need to remind you about our friends over at Gold Co. Uh, our relationship is ending there, so please act quickly. If you are looking to protect your retirement, believe me, with Biden it's still in the White House, Democrats pulling the shots, you need to protect your wealth as you move into retirement. Uh Protect your dollars. The dollars are quickly going away. Precious metals is a great way to salvage it. Give them a call over at 855 387 2932 to learn the three simple steps that you can take right now to protect your savings with gold, silver, and other precious metals. Give Gold Coal a call. Do it now. Don't wait. Uh, Doug, you know what to do. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. My name is
3: Joe Biden. my name's joe biden (laughs) my name's joe biden
1: since just after the revolutionary war there have been those seeking to kick god and the bible out of society and 1844 supreme court justice joseph story upheld the use of the bible as a tool for teaching in government schools hello i'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, in this Vidal versus Gerard case, Mr. Gerard's will permitted the teaching of the Christian faith just not by members of the clergy. Justice Story's opinion that Gerard's will was not derogatory toward Christianity rested on two determinations. First, a layman was capable of teaching the general principles of Christianity. Second, Gerard's will actually permitted the teaching of the Bible in schools. It was duly noted that the founding fathers warned that in order for the United States to become and remain great, her people must be of good moral character. Mr. Gerard clearly understood the importance of teaching students the biblical principles of morality and its general precepts. Whereas can the purest principles of morality be learned so perfectly as from the Bible? Where are benevolence, the love of truth, sobriety, and industry, superior intellectual development, be so powerfully and irresistibly inculcated as in the Bible? I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com is designed specifically for people who haven't started investing
0: yet
5: or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and puts it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key, the idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly. But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. stocks just makes it really
1: simple to do. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to TheRonEdwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup.
0: So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4
5: barley. And at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores.
0: Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina, with my father, Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. You're listening to Tap into the Truth. This is Matt Fitzgibbons.
4: This is Amy Hallam.
0: This is AZ. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are indeed sharing Friday night together, especially if you're listening live at WCED out in beautiful Columbia, South Carolina. If you're listening on the Vera Network, if you're listening on the Last Frequency, if you're listening on ZMA Radio, or if you're listening on the K-Star Talk Radio Network, well, then thank you so very much wherever you're listening from live or you know what if if maybe you didn't catch it live but you're listening right now to the podcast well thank you too i appreciate it uh yeah you hear us talk a lot about patriotic topics and then we promote companies and you know some of the companies we promote are just companies that i like some of them i've Bought a small equity stake in, uh, which is the case with like Boone's Bourbon and Bean Stocks, and then we talk about sponsors, and sponsors are a good thing. Trust me, it's something that I waited a long time to be able to say that I had, and and now I have to say that we've got some good ones. And uh, right now, I have to uh, remind you about one of our newest ones they just recently renewed though they liked the response you guys made it happen again it's nothing i'm doing i'm not a great salesman here i just mentioned their product i mentioned their website you guys go check it out you followed it up so thank you because you're helping me to create a great relationship with these folks by you spending money and that's where we're back we're talking about vanish holsters right now and i remind you common mistake Most gun owners, like myself, we've done it. I know I'm not pointing fingers. I'm admitting I've done this so many times in the past. We go out. We buy a holster. It's so ridiculously uncomfortable. We just stop carrying. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And that puts us at a disadvantage if that moment happens where we actually have to defend ourselves, protect our families or our neighbors. We – We don't need to be at that disadvantage. We need to be carrying it, and that's part of why Vanish holsters are quickly becoming one of the most popular holsters in the country. Uh, They've got thousands of customers that will swear to you that they're the most comfortable holster on the planet ever, period, bar none. They say that. Plus, a lot of them say that if you uh, use a Vanish holster, you'll never stop carrying. Sounds like a win-win to me. Now, what I need you to do… Just go check it out for yourself. I never once asked you to make a purchase based solely on my recommendation. I asked you to just go check them out. The best way to do that is to go visit www.vnsh.com backslash. T A P P. Now, the reason why you want to do the backslash T-A-P-P is because that will automatically activate a $50 discount for you if you see something there that you just have to have. And trust me, when it comes to a comfortable holster, who doesn't need one? Seriously. All right. Remember, uh, Vanish also saves you money because they're designed to fit about 99% of all semi-automatic handguns. They're designed to work without a tactical uh, belt, so you don't have that extra hidden expense that comes with a lot of holsters. And uh, they let you carry in almost any position. Again, back to being comfortable. So one more time, that is www.vnsh.com. Backslash T-A-P-P To activate that $50 discount uh, Go take care of that right now While you're listening to the rest of the show And you can have your Vanish Holster On its way to you Before we end today's broadcast Alright, we still have with us on the line Mr. Ed Brodal. Uh, Ed is a retired Marine He's a former Hollywood actor He is probably the predominant Expert on negotiations on the planet I mean I, I'm not overselling them when I say this. The Negotiation Boost Camp is known internationally. That's this guy in, in case you know it and don't realize that that's the Ed Brodahl we're talking about. This is who is with us today. His most recent book, The War on Whites, How Hating White People Became the New National Sport. we're. We don't have enough time to get super in-depth, and we're spending the biggest part of an hour here. We're scratching the surface, but that's good, too, because that just leaves you knowing that this is a book you want to go pick up so you can hear the rest. Ed, again, thank you so much for joining us, and before we get into things, I want to go ahead and give you an opportunity right now to let people know where they can get this new book and all the old books and any other information, websites, uh, social media handles that you'd like to share. Let's go ahead and do that now so we don't try to cram it in at the end
3: well all my books are available on amazon Amazon amazon.com and i've written 10 books they're all they're all up there on amazon and uh very easy to order just go right to amazon.com and type in the war on whites and there you go uh there is something i would like to say though um people uh, who are listening to your show may be wondering you know, okay, we know, now we know what's going on with the war on whites, but, but really, why should we read this book? Well, in addition to telling you about what the war is all about, I, I give you ammunition in the book so that when somebody says to you, you're a racist, or if you wind up in one of these terrible diversity trainings and they tell you to undo your whiteness, my book gives you the ammunition to fight back. And ironically, I use, uh, well, well, deliberately, I use the opinions of a lot of leading black thinkers like Thomas Sowell, Shelby Steele, Bob Woodson. They are all in agreement that this business of white supremacy, systemic racism, it's all a lot of nonsense. It's a myth. So yeah. uh, when somebody says to you, you're a bad person because you're white, you're a racist, If you when you read my book, you'll know exactly how to deal with them and what to say to them.
0: Well, you know, it's uh, actually pretty fortuitous that you jump right in there because that is literally where I was headed next. Uh, you talk about how uh, there's a lot of great black thinkers uh, who do, who right? Uh, I mean me being a white supremacist, I would have never believed that, Ed. Uh, there, there's a lot of folks that are amongst these minorities. They're not the ones that are – Out there pushing this ideology though most of the people that are pushing it are white liberals people that are suffering from white guilt or at least they are tapping into white guilt to promote their own stuff Uh, you do talk about that in the book uh, but what is the solution uh, if you happen to be uh, someone out there who happens to be caucasian and feeling guilty about this stuff
3: the solution is to recognize the facts the fact is Black people have never had it better than they have it right now. Shelby Steele says that a black person in this country can do whatever they want. They can become a doctor, a movie star, uh, a corporate executive. Anything, you know, the companies are bending over backwards to hire uh, minorities, blacks, Hispanics. The time has never been better for minorities in this country. And who did all that? White people did it. They didn't have to do it. They didn't have to pass the Civil Rights Act in 1964, but white people did it because it was the right thing to do. And the sad part is that today, they're not getting credit for it. Instead of people thanking them for it, they're being denigrated and and, uh, told that they are awful, evil people. So uh, you, you as an individual have to understand that a lot of the garbage you're getting from the left is false. Systemic racism does not exist in this country anymore. White supremacy, I don't even know what the hell that is. Uh, Thomas Sowell says the same thing. I don't know. What is it? It's just a myth created by the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party wants you to believe that so they can divide us, and then they want to pick off each one of the minorities by convincing them that they are the the champion of the minorities, when in, in reality... The Democratic Party has done more to harm blacks and Hispanics and other minorities than anybody in this country. Yeah.
0: And, and I think that's a truth that's becoming more and, most, more and more self-evident. It's harder for them to hide it. And I think we actually have Donald Trump to thank for a lot of that because Donald Trump came in and he just very straightforward and bluntly said this is what they've been doing for the last 50, 60, 100 years – At this point, what do you got to lose? Give me a shot. Uh, And he won over a lot of minority voters that are never supposed to leave the Democratic reservation. And somehow you're uh, some race traitor or Uncle Tom, if you think you did. Uh, But, yeah, I I had a discussion uh, a few months back with another regular guest of the show who is a solid conservative. But uh, when it comes to certain social issues, uh, he – Sometimes just things Feels more with his heart than things with his head And we got into the conversation About systemic racism And he started talking about some school uh, Systems uh, in uh, In Michigan uh, If I'm remembering correctly And I had to point out to him That you're talking about systemic racism And you're talking about outcomes And the way these school systems Are being run by the people that are uh, Running them But we'll look at the cities It's not conservatives that are running it. It's not white people that are running it. It's democratic people of color that are controlling those school boards. But even then, you're not talking about the system. If you use the word systemic, you are talking about the system. The system has the law made quite clear that we do not allow racism. What you're actually talking about in this instance, when you have something to point out, you're usually talking about individual racism personal corruption and how they misuse the tools, how they misuse uh, the levers of power. Is that a fair assessment, in your opinion?
3: Yeah. And and when you talk about uh, uh, the system has made racism illegal, there is the double standard. It's illegal to be racist against minorities, but it's not illegal to be racist against white people. And that's the sad thing right now. Because most of the racism that's going on in this country is aimed at the white population. And even though you have all these laws on the books, I mean, look, look at what Biden did. Biden uh, has this, this new executive order on equity, which in effect means that if you want to get hired by the federal government, you can't be white. Now, that's, that's totally contrary to all of the laws on the books on race and discrimination. And yet they're getting away with it. So as soon as they start talking about equity, uh, you know that's when we pick up our pack our bags and get the hell out of town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because
0: they they've set up a double standard from the beginning, and you you keep. Reiterating that theme on every topic that you uh, touch on in this book and in uh, Tyranny of the Minority, uh, it's running theme there as well, that there is in fact a double standard, that it's been made okay to do this because they have this double standard that's established based on their idea of institutional authority. They claim that they don't have any, and so therefore they can't be racist. Which, you know, I, I look at corporations. Uh, let's look at Oprah Winfrey, for example. She's running a, a media empire. She has institutional power there. Uh, you can look at somebody that's uh, done exceptionally well, uh, like uh, LeBron James. Not a good thing to say about the country, not a good thing to say about a white person, but. … wouldn't be able to make millions of dollars playing a game if it wasn't for white people. But I digress. The point is they talk about this institutional power, uh, and that's where they don't understand they've cut themselves off with the knees because it, it, they say that I'm racist because I'm white. How can I be racist? I don't have any institutional power. If you have to have institutional power to be racist… That can't be me, but I'm white. They don't understand the juxtaposition. What are your thoughts? Because I I haven't heard you – I haven't read you actually address that specific premise. That's the one angle here that I haven't heard you address where they talk about you have to have institutional power. You do talk about that, but – all the people they accuse of being racist by virtue of being white, almost none of them have any institutional power either. So by their own definition, their own logic, they really can't be. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, I talk about that in the book, in the chapter where I discuss white fragility. Uh, Robin D'Angelo and uh, Kendi's How to Be an Anti-Racist. Uh, Robin D'Angelo says that black people can't be racist only white people can be racist. So if a black person says we need to exterminate white people off the face of the earth, <laughs> according to her, that's not racist. Well, I mean, you can see what a ridiculous argument that is. But a lot of people have fallen for that argument. And since they believe that white people can are the only ones who can be racist, therefore, you can be racist against white people.
0: All right. But, but the idea that, that they use that Because, yeah, you you definitely touch on the institutional side of it on behalf of black people, but I haven't heard anybody touch on it on behalf of white people. Most white people don't have any institutional power either, right?
3: Well, who does? That's also a myth, institutional power. It's like systemic racism. What the hell does it mean? It doesn't mean institutional power. Uh, I mean, does Donald Trump have institutional power? I, I mean, it's it's just when you really dissect it, it's nonsense. It's it's double talk.
0: Right. Welcome to uh, 1984.
3: <laughs> That's right.
0: Uh, That's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, one of the topics you also touch on, and it's one that drives me absolutely nuts all the time. Uh, now. Robin D'Angelo and her White Fragility, it just irritates me to the point. I haven't been able to finish the book. I I got, I think, a quarter of the way in, and and that's all I could stomach. I just couldn't go any further. But what really aggravates me is the 1619 Project. When we talk about Miss Hannah Jones and her fictional retelling, Uh, the fact that the New York Times push this almost as if it's real, but they acknowledge that it is mostly fictional. They, we have a ton of historians that have stepped forward and uh, historians that lean heavily to the left but who actually take pride in being a historian and have to say most of this is so far from historically accurate that they would be embarrassed to have their name attached to it, demanded this. uh Nicole Hannah-Jones wins a Pulitzer Prize for this, gets a position as a professor because of this, gets a Hulu special because of this and they're out here now teaching young Americans that they are the victims of America's original sin, slavery, America's a no good, very bad, terrible place because they brought slaves here and they completely take what little bit of facts are there out of context and out of historical perspective and they do it on purpose but I just I love your take on the 1619 project and I'd like to give you a moment or two to talk about that
3: Well, what what is very sad about our country right now is that the left has taken over academia and the media. So you talk about the New York Times. Uh, When I was a young man, you you could believe everything that was in the New York Times. Today, you can't believe anything. It's been taken over by the left. Our uh, Ivy League schools have been taken over by the left. And that's why they're pushing this stuff. So it's really necessary for each one of us to become self-educated and understand the lies that are being promulgated by, by companies like the New York Times. The 1619 Project is a lie. And uh, she got a Pulitzer Prize, that's a lie too. That's a disgrace. It used to be an honor to get a Pulitzer Prize. Today, you know, if you're a leftist writer, you get it. If you're a conservative, forget about it. So we have again, a double standard because our, these major sources of influence uh, have been taken over by the left. Uh, the media, Hollywood, big tech, uh, academia, all of them have been taken over by the left. And, uh, you know, if, if you want to know what, what they're thinking, listen to MSNBC. It's amazing the lies that are put out there every day. I can't stand listening to the, you know, MSNBC uh CNN, the New York Times, the Washington Post, it's impossible because they're, they're lying through their teeth.
0: Yeah. yeah, and if you pay any attention at all, it's impossible not to know it. And that's the worst part. Uh, there is still so much more in the book. It's not a, a, an extremely long book. It's definitely not a hard read. I don't want anybody thinking, because when I say there's so much more in here, that it's going to uh, just be an effort to read it. It's not. It's easy to read. It, it's a reasonable-sized book. It's a great book. But there's a lot of stuff in here. I hate that we're already running out of time tonight, Ed. I definitely wanted to touch a little bit on your talking about uh, George Floyd uh, and how you address that but I, I don't think we're going to have enough time because I wanted to end on the fact that you talk about how white is a color too and I wanted to kind of end things there and I think now we need to go ahead and, and have that discussion uh, again white's a color too why do we live in a time where you have to explain this
3: uh, again it's the lies that are put out there I, I am very much against the use of the term people of color because yeah. when you say that there are people of color, the assumption is that white people are not people of color. So white is not a color. Well, my skin happens to be white. And I think America has to wake up to the fact that white is a color, too. <laughs> uh,
0: y- y- there was a time when this was common sense. Ed. <laughs> and unfortunately, sense there a the time anymore.
3: when. Tim, forget about common sense. If you're yeah. on the left, there is no common sense. It's all groupthink. Yeah. But if, you, if, you, uh, if you want to think and you want to use critical thinking, uh, to my way of thinking, you automatically become a conservative because it's only conservatives today who are using critical thinking uh, to approach the problems of the nation.
0: Well, critical thinking comes in handy if you're trying to solve. The problems uh, we live in a time where we have a political class where they don't need solutions; they need issues. And as long as they have an issue to run on, they keep to, they get to keep making promises. Uh, yeah, and you know, I, I mentioned common sense with the understanding that it has become so rare; it's practically a superpower now. And so, for those of us that are utilizing critical thought, and uh, you know. The experience, uh, the wisdom that experience brings us, uh, we have such a heads-up, but that's why we have to be the enemy. We have to be silenced. We have to be destroyed. And that's what makes what you're doing with writing uh, the political books that you've written here and, and making sure that you're coming on shows like this one and talking to the public. You're not pulling the punches. I I respect you more every single day and and I respected you from the jump. I love the fact that you were such a uh, an in your face negotiating expert. I know the first time I had you on the show uh, the several years ago it 's kind of scary to think about how long it 's actually been, but it was to get your critique of donald trump 's negotiating tactics when he was first running. Uh, to to be a president of the United States. So it's been a minute since that happened. Uh, but every passing day, just the fact that you're taking the time to, to step up and to be this fight. And again, for those of you out there listening that think that uh, we've covered so much of the book, we didn't even get into chapter three. Uh, there's seven chapters here. Uh, They're all fantastic. They're well laid out. I can't recommend the book enough. Uh, If you haven't already seen the promotions, if you haven't gotten a copy, for the love of Pete, go get one. Uh, One more time, Ed, thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to get back together again sometime soon, maybe address a little bit more in the book because we barely scratched the surface, and there is a lot to talk about here, and it is an important topic, more so now than ever. If we're going to heal the divide in the country, it starts with having honest conversations about this. I want to give you just one more minute uh, for any final thoughts, sir.
3: Well, the final thought is this discrimination against white people is just as bad as discrimination against any other group or anybody else. And, you know, I, I believe that whites should be considered this, the object of racism. And I think they should be entitled to government protection just as much as any other group,
0: yeah I very well said I mean, bottom line is every law we have on the books against uh against any type of discrimination, they're written in a way that it does not discriminate against anyone uh so there's legal arguments against anything that favors or prefers. One group over another, no matter what the circumstance. And yeah, as long as we're okay targeting anybody, then we can't possibly expect to to heal the divide. Thank you so much, Ed. As always, I appreciate your time, your effort, and everything you do. Bless you, sir. Keep up the good work, and Godspeed to you. Thank you, Tim. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That was Mr. Ed Brodal. And again, he, just go to Amazon. It's the quickest, easiest way. I, there will be a link in the show description if you're so interested as well. And uh, check out his author page. Read everything he's got. They're all easy reads. They're all great information. I've got all the political stuff. I need to get some of his uh, negotiating stuff. I'm running out of time, guys. So – You guys get out there and live. Enjoy this weekend as we go headlong into it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Doug, for all the work you've done. Thanks to all the great guests who came on and talked to us. Very important stuff. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll be back together on Sunday.
3: and bold